Well, I'm excited about this series we're jumping into. We kind of preached last week a little bit of message um, that kind of led into this about bigger faith, and I think you'll see how that plays into what we're going to be talking about the next couple of weeks here about generosity, but I'll be honest with you, as excited as I am about this message, here is my fear, and this is me being completely transparent with you, is that I don't want to be perceived as that guy or that church that talks about money. And if you're visiting with us today, I promise, we don't talk about this all the time. Because I hear that from non-church goers. They're like, every time I go to church, they talk about money, right? That's not who we are. And, and here's the thing. I believe that we as a church are generous, Okay, I think that we try our best to not just affect this community and the world, but you as well, and just try and, and use the resources that God has given to, to affect change for his kingdom. I, I firmly believe that. But, but as, as so, so we're talking about faith in my community group, and I'm expressing to my community group like how nervous I am about this because I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be perceived as that church that talks about money all the time. And Kim... Leave it up to Kim, says, well, Eric, maybe that's your step of faith. I know, right? And I'm serious. I mean, that, that spoke to my heart. I can't believe God spoke through Kim. But <laughs> God used that over the next couple of days to just give me the confidence that this is the message God wants me to bring. And so, so here's the deal. If we don't learn it here, where are we going to learn it? And, and I truly believe that Christ spent a good portion of his life teaching about finances. In fact, if you study the Gospels, he spoke on the subject of money or possessions or stewardship more than he spoke about heaven or hell combined. 25% of every parable, 25% of the parables or messages that he spoke were about money. And so let's see, if we do the math, right, so I speak 52 times a year, that means I need to have about 13 messages a year on money. But we don't. To my knowledge, this is only the, the third time in almost three years that I've spoken on money. So it's not something that we overuse. And so if you are visiting with us this morning, don't leave. God knew what he was doing. I just want to let you know that that's my heart, is that uh, this is a step of faith for me. And so as I was praying over here this morning before I got up here, I, with all of my heart, I want you to hear God this morning and not Eric. I, I want you, as we read the scripture and as we, as we learn about generosity, I want you to feel like that was God, that God just communicated something to me that he wants to do in my life. And that's why, like earlier, I said, let's pray that God would speak to your heart. Not Eric, but that God would do that. So I think as a general rule, we all think that we're pretty generous. Most people think that they are generous because they give, but giving and generosity are two very different things. Most Americans don't feel rich but we are. And I know that everybody has struggles financially. 
But if you took a snapshot of this world, you are stinking rich. Most Americans don't feel that they are rich. It's this mindset that we have. According to Barna Research, only 37% of Americans feel like they are financially stable. And if you do the math, that means that 63% of Americans feel like they're living paycheck to paycheck. Like they just are unsure of where we are financially. And this mindset that we don't have enough translates into our giving The average American only gives 2.8% of their income to any charity. And here's what's remarkable. In the $100,000 to $200,000 bracket, it drops to 2.6%. And before you go shame on all those rich people, (laughs) you're only at 2.8. Okay, as a general rule, I don't know you specifically. That figure of 2.6%, 2.8% is lower per capita than during the Great Depression. Right? The problem is not that we don't have enough. The problem is that we don't have a generous mindset. Barna surveyed 1,200 evangelical Christians. Of those 1,200 evangelical Christians, one-third of them said they actually tithe. Now, this is not a message about tithing. In my opinion, tithing is the the low bar. and That's a whole other conversation. I don't care if you believe in tithing or just giving or whatever, but regardless, Jesus always raised the bar, right? So if tithing was an Old Testament principle, okay, I'm, I'm fine with that. But Jesus always raised the bar. So that means that tithing is the very least that we should be doing. But that's a whole other, I I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to say that. So so of of one-third of Christians, evangelical Christians surveyed, only one-third said that they tithed. But then when they actually looked at the records, only one-eighth of them did. Do you see that there's this disconnect So it wasn't 33%. (laughs) It was only 12% of evangelical Christians tithe. So there's a disconnect somewhere. We're either not teaching it, which I may be guilty of. And so so I'm going to take at least some of the blame here that, that it may be a lack of teaching as to why we don't give like we should. But it also could just be disobedience. That we hear it, but we don't do it. And I know, so, so let me just acknowledge it. I know this is uncomfortable. It's almost like there's an unspoken agreement. Like, I won't say anything about it, Eric, if you don't say anything about it. <laughs> you know, we'll just, we'll just kind of have this relationship that, that I'll slap your back, tell you it was a great message, and we, we'll come to church here, and we love it, and we enjoy our Sunday services, and, and we enjoy the music, and we enjoy all of that. Just don't get too... Close to my money. Right? Don't, don't do anything in that realm. But it is impossible to talk about 
the spiritual life without talking about money. And you're like, Eric, that doesn't make any sense because they seem so diametrically opposed. No, no, Jesus said that where, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And there, so, so, so money is not only a part of the spiritual life, it is like a central hub of it. Because here's the thing, if your checkbook is off limits to God, then he is not in charge. Your attitude towards money translates into every other area of your life. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with the talents and the gifts that God has given you? Not just the money. So here's what I'm thinking. The overarching reason we don't give, I believe, is that we have a scarcity mindset. So we created this little chart for you in your notes. We have this scarcity charts, uh, this scarcity chart. We have a scarcity mindset. And here's what the scarcity mindset does. So God supplies. He gave you a job. He, you have income. So God supplies. And then here's what we do with a scarcity mindset. We consume. So then we consume everything that God gives to us, and we don't have anything left to give. And so now we lack, and now we're fear. Now, now we have fear. So God supplies, we consume, we lack, and then we have fear. So we hear things like this. I just never seem to be able to get ahead. And please hear me. I am not preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that if you give it's like rubbing the lamp of a genie, right? Poof, he comes out and gives you his That's not how God works. I give out of my love for God. I give out of my obedience to him. And then I see him bless my life. But if God did not give you any quote unquote extra because you gave, he still gave you everything you got. Like you don't pay rent for this earth. Right? You don't, you don't give anything to God for the air that you breathe. And so even if he didn't give you any extra because you were generous, he's still giving you plenty. This scarcity mindset, well, we just don't have enough to, I wish I had more to give. You cringe when you know we're going to be talking about money, talking about giving. That's a scarcity mindset. It's a cycle because when you spend it all and you don't give anything and, and, you, and you're, you, you're full of fear. And by the way, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if you're afraid, it didn't come from God, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Our mind says, and here's the thing, our mind says we have to keep it all because we don't have enough. But here's the problem. When we keep it all, there's no blessing. So if I keep everything, there's no blessing. So we've taken everything that God has given to us, and we consume it all, and then we wonder why we worry about money all the time. But there's another mindset that we can have, and that is a generosity mindset. And this one's fun. This one is, is, is enjoyable. Generosity is also a cycle. And that is this, that God supplies, <laughs> and we get to give, and then we live off the rest, and then God multiplies. And here's the beautiful thing. God just doesn't multiply 
us, like because we gave, he multiplies what we gave. And God does something miraculous with what we gave. So you take 10 bucks and you give it to the kingdom, you give it to God, and God takes that $10 and he multiplies that more than could have been used if you would have kept it. When our mind tells us, when our heart tells us that we are free to give, then the result is great blessing. So you have, you have keeping it all, there's no blessing. You have giving it and you have great blessing. So, so, so let's just take a look at these two. So here's, here's the comparison, right? A scarcity mindset or a generosity mindset. Now, how do I get from a scarcity mindset to a generosity mindset my voice always cracks when I get excited. Check it out. Boom. <laughs> Faith is that step that we take that gives us a generous mindset. So here's the thing. <laughs> Faith don't make sense. And as we learned last week, there is no guarantee when you take a step of faith. When you take a step of faith, you're leaving safety, right? Peter gets out of the boat to walk on the water to Jesus. He says, Jesus, if you tell me to come out to you, then I'll take a step of faith. Jesus says, come on. He was from Southern Galilee. (laughs) He said, come on. So Peter gets out of the boat, right? The other 11 disciples stay in the boat. This is just me, right? But I, I can see Peter like... Just hanging on. Right? No, man, you got to let go, buddy. There's no safety in faith. There's no guarantee in faith. And that is what, that's what I'm saying. So like when you, when you make the decision to go from a scarcity mindset to believe God and have faith, it is a scary thing. And so then you take this step of faith, and now you're, you're starting this cycle of generosity, and now it's on God. Now it's on God to take care of you, not you. And you enter into this whole different world. As we learned last week in Hebrews chapter 11, you had 16 different examples of, of men and women of God that stepped out on faith. And what did it do every time? Faith produced an action. So to say that I love God, to say that I have faith in God, but not do anything about it, doesn't make sense. Because faith always produces an action. If you read all over the place in in, in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, by faith Abraham did this. By faith Abraham did this. By faith Moses did this. Faith produces action. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to read a few verses here. Might as well get the Bible in on it. And by the way, Luke chapter 3, Matthew chapter 6, fantastic passages of Scripture. 
And, I, and, and, and we might get into them in the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about just living generously and, and what does that look like. And it's not all about giving money. I believe God has not only given us treasure, but he's giving us time and talent. And we need to use all of that for his kingdom and for his glory. And I truly believe that a generous life is one who is willing to give of their schedule for other people and for the work of God. And I believe that, that taking the talents that God has given you and the gifts that he's given you and using those for his kingdom, whatever it may be. And it may not be handing out bulletins. It may be something that you do just because of who you are and your skill set. There is a lot of ways to be generous. But here's what we do. So, so, so Second Corinthians, so there's, a, there's, a, there's an equation here, what I do and then what God does. So here's what I do, right? Let's read Second Corinthians for, uh, chapter, six, uh, chapter 9, verses six, and, 6 through 9. <laughs> he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is, but he'll still take money from a grump, just saying. (laughs) Just the happy ones are having a better time. And God is able, he didn't tell me to say that, that was me. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. This is, this is the commenter. This is commenting on the person who has done the giving. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. God loves it when we give generously. So, so here's what my job in this equation is, and that is to give generously. My job in this formula is to be the one who takes what God has given to me and give generously. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you. Listen, listen, I have, I have read more in the last three weeks the argument over whether we should tithe, whether we should not tithe, should we do faith giving? Should, I think it's all faith. But I really do believe that God, when, when, when Jesus came to earth, he did away with the law, right? And he raised the bar. Remember when Jesus said, like, you know that it's been said if you kill your brother, you know, don't kill you. I'm telling you if you even think about it, it's murder. You shouldn't commit adultery, but I'm telling you if you even think about it in your heart, you've done it. Like, he raised the bar. So if Jesus raised the bar, what does that mean about my giving? And he even kind of, he even kind of got on to the Pharisees about counting every little grain of herb or whatever, that seasoning that they were giving and being like that. It looks, that looks a lot different than what I'm seeing here where we're supposed to just be abundant as we purpose in our hearts. I don't know what that means for you. That's not the subject of this message. If we're talking generously, then I don't know that we're counting pennies. But God loves it when we give generously. I think that just makes him smile. So my job is to give generously. So let's see what God's job is. The next two verses. In verses 10 and 11, here's what God does. Now, may he who supplies the seed. Now, this, this, this just absolutely blew my brain. So our job is to sow, but where are we getting the seed? Like, where are we even getting what it is we're supposed to be giving? From God? 
He supplied the seed that we're supposed to be sowing. So if we're not sowing, it means that he gave us seed and we're just keeping it. So now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed. You have sown and increased the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. So here's, here's, here's my job. My job was to give generously. God's job <laughs> is to multiply abundantly. God takes what I have given. And now, now notice, this kind of does away with the idea that I'm only supposed to give so God will bless me. Because what I'm seeing in these verses is God is blessing what I give. And God takes what I am, am giving and he multiplies that for his kingdom. What a good investment. God supplies. I step out on faith. I give. God multiplies. My faith grows, so now I want to give more. It's this beautiful cycle of generosity. It's a much better cycle to be in than a cycle of fear. So in order to shift our mindset just a little bit here, I'm going to give you some non-original content. If you want to read a scary book, read The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. It is, it's on a different level. And in there, he has principles that help shift our mindset about giving. So, so here's what I want to give. I'm just going to give you those six principles. Again, this isn't original, but it's, it, this is reframing our brain to kind of educate us, to get us in that mindset of generosity. So here are six principles that will kind of reframe your brain. The first principle is this. God owns everything. <laughs> I'm only the manager, right? God's name is on the deed to this whole universe. Everything I think I own has God's name on it. So if God is the owner, what is my role? I'm the manager. But now here's the thing. God has entrusted everything to me that I have. And it's almost like he's put my name on the account too, which gives me the opportunity or the ability to abuse this relationship. So he has given me everything I have. He owns it. I am only a manager of what he has given. Maybe a more biblical word is the word steward. I'm a steward of everything he's given me. And I will say this, there will be an accounting one day of all we have been given. But as of right now, we have the opportunity to take all that we have been given and sow it so God can bless it. God owns everything. I'm only the manager. Here's the next principle. Heaven is my home, not earth. Folks, if we really grasped how long eternity is, and how short this time on earth is, and we put that into perspective in our own life, it would change not only how we spend our time or how we use our talents, but also how we spend our money. 
Our citizenship is not on this earth. It is in heaven. Everything you give here is leveraged for all of eternity. It's a beautiful gift that God has given us, the opportunity to store it up. You've seen the bumper sticker, he who dies with the most toys wins. Yeah, he's still dead. Right? He who dies with the most toys was just an idiot because he's dead and all his toys stay here. But as long as you're alive, you have the opportunity to do something with what God has blessed you with. But it's this idea that we have an opportunity because heaven is our home to invest there. Which brings me to point number four. I should live for eternity today. So I should take every opportunity that I have today to live for eternity. The way that Randy put it, this is not exactly how he said it. The way that Randy put it in his book was that, that we don't live for the dot, we live for the line. So he, he drew a picture and he had like a dot and that is now. And then he drew this line with an arrow out to eternity. Right, And the idea was that we don't live for what is in the dot. We live for what is eternity. And so, so if that's the case, then, then what Randy is saying in his book, and this is actually his whole treasure principle, is that you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. So it would be like this. Like if you visited a foreign country, and let's say you're going to be there for an extended period of time, and the rules were that you can't take anything from that country back home to the States with you. So you're working in this country, and you got two choices. You can either buy a bunch of stuff up and fill up your hotel room, and then leave it all here when you go home, or you can take your check and you can send it on home. And then when you get back home, you have something to show for all your efforts. We're not citizens of this earth. We are citizens of heaven. Five minutes after you die, it will become incredibly clear to you what you should have done. Make that decision today. Number five, giving is the only antidote (laughs) for materialism. There is something that happens to our hearts when we give because it's a surrender. And we are giving to a greater person and a greater purpose and it dethrones us off of our life. Like it takes us off the throne of our life and puts God in his place. There is a better agenda out there, a greater purpose than that new thing or that extra amount of interest. A.W. Tozer said this, I love this, whatever is given to Christ is immediately touched with eternity. Giving is the only antidote for materialism. And then finally this, uh, God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. Boy, folks, let me tell you, if, if we can wrap our brains around this, it will change your life. We have so much. I don't know where you live. I don't know what your job is. I don't know what's in your bank account, but we have so much. And here's, what, here's that scarcity mindset. 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna earn a bigger pay. I got a raise, right? So I'm gonna get a raise. And so you get a raise, and what do you do? You buy a new car. You get a bigger house. We spend, we consume everything we have. 63% of Americans feel like they're barely making it. They have no control over the finances. They're scared to death. That's most of us. And we have this consumption mindset. God did not raise your standard of living just to give you more. He raised your standard of living to give you more to give. We have so much. We have much more than we need. And have you ever asked yourself, why is that? And I'm not trying to be the moral police here. But why do you live here? Why are you born in America? Why have you been given a good job? Why do you have what you have? Is it so you can consume everything and say, it must suck to be you? Or are we given what we're given because we have a responsibility? Because to whom much is given, much is required. And if I am being blessed, and I have been, and if I'm going to live a life of generosity, and God raises my standard of living, it's not for me to consume it, it's for me to be generous. And let me tell you the truth. If Christians would just get on the bandwagon when it comes to giving, it would end a lot of the problems in this whole world. And you say, Eric, that's just kind of a little ridiculous. No, I read it on the internet. And it said that if evangelical Christians would just tithe, it would produce $165 billion a year. And they calculate that it would only take $32 billion to end world hunger. For a year. That's real stuff. And so they went down all these things that it would stop, right? Providing wells for every village. All, I mean, it just went down the list. And I have no idea how they calculated it. But it was in a Christian magazine, okay? They have no agenda. So let's just say they're off a little bit. But according to their calculations... Out of $165 billion, once all of the world's problems are taken care of, there is still like 60-some billion dollars left over, right? That would be a, a heck of a potluck, <laughs> right? There is, there is plenty of resources, and what I'm getting at is that God does not give us all of this just so we can live in a nicer house and drive a nicer car, and I'm not against any of that. I have a nice house. I got a nice car. I got nice. I got more stuff than I need. I have like two and three of everything. I probably have a dozen pair of underwear. I mean, I got lots of stuff. I'm trying to weed through them. God's working on me about that. But there's like, we have so much stuff. We build garages. There are houses for our cars. 
and fill them with more stuff so that we can't even fit our car in them. (laughs) And you understand, I'm using humor, but you understand the point. We have been given much, and it's not a mistake. Why have we been given much? Because there's something we're supposed to do. And I want my kids to be generous. And I want them to see a dad. And I want them to have an example of someone who loves to give and gives the homeless guy five bucks and contributes to the, to the buckets of stuff for the homeless out there that volunteers, that happily and, 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 and acknowledges God and happily gives to his work, that provides an example. Because I'm not opposed to you looking at my giving record. She's not in here. Kimber this morning, hey, Dad, did I get paid 30 or $35 last week, last month? I said 35 She goes, okay. She's in there. Taking out her offering. My 16-year-old. And I didn't have to tell her. She's done it since she was a baby. She didn't even know she was doing it. We've been given much. And if you want to live generous, you got to be generous. And the step is faith. So I don't know where you are. But we're just playing church. If God doesn't have control of our finances. All to Jesus, I surrender, except my checkbook. I trust you, God. We sing these beautiful songs, but we live with this scarcity mindset. And I'm sorry, this is your first time visiting with us. This isn't what we talk about all the time. But we need to talk about it. And let me tell you this. I truly believe that now that you've heard it, you're accountable for it. Na 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 na. Because <laughs> I've done what God told me to do. And now you have to do what God tells you to do. Let's pray. God, this is real stuff. This is not just saying we love you, this is showing that we love you. Because you can give without loving but you can't love without giving and you gave and you gave and you continue to give and you've blessed us and we have more than we would ever need thank you help us to be a generous people and step out on faith in Jesus name we pray amen